the collective memory of bison and the ways in which water moves is much more intense than our current scientific Harvard level thoughts on hydraulic cycles. This land had a dry creek bed, I am told, when it was purchased a couple years ago. And the people that you bought it from said, that'll never flow. It may be seasonally when there's a big storm. The bison came in and the water came back. That stream bed is full of water year round, I'm told now. Damn, you guys, what did you do? You didn't do a damn thing. Thank you for not doing anything for a moment. And you let the bison sing the song of the water back onto this land. What do you think the bison sound is for? Is it just so they can chat among each other? No, they're talking to the clouds. They're talking to the birds. They're talking to the, to the coyote. They're talking to the wolves. They know what it feels like to give up their body to a wolf pack. They know what it feels like to give up their body to another species that has reverence for their spot within the nature we live. When we begin to understand animals not as regenerative tools, but as regenerative beings that predated us and have allowed us to step into their reality, go stand by those bison and think about the possibility that they've allowed us to be here. They're bigger than us, if you haven't noticed. They will kick your ass. And you did not have guns way back when. They allowed us to be here. And they did not take over the prairies. They were abundant to extraordinary numbers, but they never became a monoculture. They understood the cycle of life. They understood the balance of the homeostasis of biodiversity. And the bison lived in unity with all of nature and they sung the song. The river came back for the bison. I guarantee you it did not come back for the humans. The river comes back for the nature that respects it and understands it. Welcome to Where Hope Grows, a podcast curated to tell the inspiring stories of land stewards, ranchers and farmers who are on the front lines of the regenerative revolution. Interweaved with wisdom inspired by Mother Nature, these journeys are testaments to her capacity for healing ourselves, our agricultural systems, and our planet. This is where hope grows. Hey everyone, this is Taylor Collins, and you are listening to Where Hope Grows. This podcast is brought to life by the support of Force of Nature, Rome Ranch, and of course, the grace and beauty of Mother Nature. Welcome back to another iteration of Where Hope Grows. Today's episode is with my main man crush. Yes, I do have a man crush. His name is Dr. Zach Bush. And this recording is actually a live recording from our first annual What Good Shall I Do conference that takes place right here at Rome Ranch each and every spring. It's been almost a year since I have last listened to this powerful talk, and it feels as if Zach's words have only grown in relevance and potency. To get you grounded, Dr. Zach Bush is a triple board certified medical doctor. With a focus on the microbiome as it relates to the inseparable nature of humanity at large and planet Earth. His message highlights the need for a radical departure from chemical farming and pharmacy, 
and in its place, a vibrant reconnection to ourselves and to Mother Nature. Creating this beautiful episode brought me to the brink of tears multiple times as Zach's powerful truth resonates deeply with a shared experience of the journey through humanity. With profound optimism, we learn that in order to realize our own fullest potential as regenerative beings, co-creating with nature and one another, we must first find our own beauty. This is certainly an episode you will listen to more than once. So sit back and reconnect with your own brilliant humanness. And now, Dr. Zach Bush. This is awesome. This is what's supposed to be really happening here is this kind of mycelial network forming here in the soils of Rome Ranch between the minds, between the beings. You guys are swapping genomics through all the hugs. You're getting reconnected. I'm going to go ahead and get started pretty quickly because I want you guys to get back to doing exactly what you're doing right now, which is connecting in the sunshine as we see another sunset on this planet. Uh, I am thrilled that the sunset that we will see this evening is the same sunset that they'll see in South Africa, the same sunset that they'll see in South Asia, the same sunset that will happen in the Antarctica. We are connected through cycles of nature that are so coherent that the only thing that can be expressed is beauty. And so when we think about the condition of humanity and the planet, it's easy to get depressive. And we listen to a day like this, and it's quite frankly a little bit overwhelming when you look at the scale of the problem, right? And you see something like a really cool roller crimper and somebody out there sitting on there giving some down pressure on the cedar and getting those seeds in the ground. You're like, that's awesome. But we have 150 million acres in the United States that are under chemical agricultural usage right now. And so the scale of of the crisis is so big. And the way in which we talk about the crisis is so externalized, right? And so... As we start to think about how we're going to engineer our way out of this, it's going to be a lot more surrender than doing, okay? And so good news is we're going to do less and we're going to be more and we're going to find our way out of this situation. So to do less and be more, we're going to take another moment of silence together and percolate down. And I'll do a little bit of guided talk on this because the microphone's working this time around. But we're going to listen to nature for a few seconds and then I want to invite you into an experience of feeling yourself into that nature again. So we're gonna do this with our eyes closed. Get comfortable. If your legs are crossed, uncross them, put your feet on the ground. If you wanna kick off your shoes, you can. Close your eyes, let your shoulders fall away from your ears, let gravity take effect, pull it back down. And I want you to just listen to the wind and the air the hum of nature and humanity around you. Let your hands drop by your sides if you want, and then I want you to visualize root systems growing out of your fingertips and out of your toes down into the ground. Like a mangrove dropping its aerial roots down to the ground. Like a banyan tree reaching down for earth to collect the nutrients to get the solar energy. Now let's scale it bigger. Make yourself the size of one of these live oaks out here and grow those roots 40 feet deep. Shoot it down through the rocks and the soil. Decompress. 
that deep earth with the vibration of your root system. Vibrate your roots. Sing through them. Sing through them. You are the tree. And now take a deep breath and be the air that the leaves would breathe in, in your tree. Be the air around the tree. Breathe in deep. Exhale life around you. Let the birds breathe you in. Take another deep breath for the tree that you are. Grow your roots bigger, deeper. Feel the vibration of earth. Humanity is in a landslide in a crisis state of isolation. And for that, we see scarcity all around us. And we start to act defensively. And we start to try to own everything around us instead of receive. We start to try to suck resources towards us instead of patiently await them. You're now reconnected though. And Mother Earth is always this close to reconnect you. And so when your overwhelm happens, when you're on your farm or you're in your office or you're trying to parent your kids and you're feeling like you're going to scream, your head's going to blow off, it's all hopeless, you're so alone, you don't have enough energy to keep it going, remember that you can grow roots and you can feel the earth. It's not just nutrients she's giving you right now, it's wisdom. She's sowing, showing you and sowing within you a realization of your own beauty. If you feel unloved by your spouse or your partner, by your community, if you feel unloved by other farmers, it's because you haven't seen your own beauty yet. And in unseeing your own beauty, you are invisible to the world around you. Become visible with your root system, nourishing you back into your beauty. You are miraculous beings that are 10,000 times brighter than the sun. The only reason that you can't see each other shine is because you've built these vessels of cellular structure around you so that you can contain the light that the sun does not contain. The sun releases it all out into the dark, frozen eons of space around it. Instead, you hold your solar energy within you and you turn into an animated state of consciousness. And you can connect to the earth and you can see your own beauty. You're a vibrant being. And as we covered this morning, your neurologic system was uniquely designed, as was your genetic system uniquely designed to receive information from all species. You are the central processing unit of all of nature. As the most complex design of tissue that has existed on the planet to date, as far as we know, you are being called into action to be a connector of information, a recognizer of patterns. What is Mother Earth telling you right now?
you can stay in this state for the next week if you want, or you can start to pull your roots up back into your fingers, back into your toes. But don't forget the messages that she has sent you in the last few minutes. You are radiant and you are beautiful and you are a vessel. You are a polished vessel within with boundaries that define your capacity to hold that light energy such that you can vibrate to the tune of knowledge, to the tune of all information within the cosmos. You are a vessel holding solar energy so that you can vibrate not only within yourself, but you can send that vibration out past your skin. Since the 1960s, we've been able to do auric photography where we can capture the energy field around a feather or a crystal or a human. In my clinic for the last 10 years, we've been using a camera that induces that plasma field and takes a, a half second video of, of the explosion off of all the fingertips to show you your auric pattern. And we see something frightening happening across all the fingertips of the humans that we've looked at, thousands of people through my clinic over the last 10 years. We see the light going out. The light is diminishing in the energy of humanity right now. And we were we are starting to develop huge patches within our body that are lacking energy. They're like eddies in the field. There's no movement of energy. It's static. It's stasis. It's, and when you put any biology into stasis of unmovingness, it dies. There is no life. It has to be in motion, which is what Ray is teaching us. How do you create motion in soil, which looks so inert, looks so still? It's anything but. And so this dynamic experience that we're starting to see in humans is going out. It is diminishing itself. And it's going out because of our isolation. Our isolation from nature, our isolation from one another. And Ray showed you an interesting slide that I hadn't thought of in, you know, in relation to this situation, but it, it triggered a, an amazingly sad thought in me, is that when you're looking at those five vital signs that he was showing you, and he's showing you the body temperature as being this critical feature and he was talking about the soil getting hot and the planet getting hot. Maybe we have a fever going on this planet right now that we call climate crisis or climate change. But what we find out about any sickness that would trigger a fever is this is one of the most regenerative events that can possibly happen is a fever. It induces transformation within all of your 70 trillion cells to make you younger. Western medicine wants you to, to, to repel all possibility of sickness so that you don't regenerate to your full potential. It wants you just to, to waste away in your atrophy of life. Don't move, don't get sick, you know, just, just stay still in your homes. You'll be safe, don't worry. Stay away from the viruses. They can't come through your front door, don't worry. If you go to a restaurant and you stand up, watch out, the viruses are like six feet high and they're all gonna attack you if you stand up. So put your mask on, you know, all the ridiculous things we've had to go through in the last couple of years. But the isolation was so easy for us to be programmed with because we are so eager to have an excuse to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and when we go out to put a mask on so that we're unseen. That was a super easy population programming to, to deploy because we were so already doing it. We were already not moving. We were already socially isolated. We already had our masks on, buried under layers and layers of cosmetics, Botox, collagen injections, all kind of bizarroness. I'm not born with a butt this good. Like this is like all latex, you know. 
No, it's ridiculous what we're doing to these physical bodies out of shame. We have forgotten the beauty that we have, that we are, and we don't celebrate it in one another. When was the last time you grabbed somebody and been like, holy shit, you are beautiful. You're like freaking beautiful. Like you've got these eyeballs that look like cosmic portals. You, and I look into your iris and I can see like 1700 layers of color. That's fucking insane. Have you looked at your face in the mirror recently? You're ridiculous. That smile will like melt ice caps. You gotta be careful where you go shining that thing. That's unbelievable. No, we don't do that. We're just like, hey, what's up? Little tap hug. I hate tap hugs, man. That's like the worst thing chemotherapy. Like, get the tap hugs away from me. Freaking bear hug me. Tell me what the hell you're feeling right now. Let me feel you. Belly to belly. Let me feel that stuff. We don't know our own beauty because we're not shining it back at one another. We're not willing to do it because we're afraid that the other person will look at us. Because we're really afraid we're beautiful. We're not afraid we're ugly. We know we're, the ego is very good at keeping us in the ugly face. You're not good enough looking. You're not energetic enough. You're not this or that. You're not smart enough. That's your playground. That's where you're super comfortable being you. What's scary is that you are a freaking atomic machine, 10,000 times more powerful than the sun that sits in this vessel of coordinated behavior of 70 trillion human cells animated by 14 quadrillion mitochondria that are releasing light energy at that 10,000 times the solar voltage. Why are you guys still looking at me? Look at each other. You've got solar events happening all around. Look at each other. It's ridiculously beautiful. It's ridiculously beautiful. And so when somebody says, I don't understand regenerative agriculture, sit down and be like, let's do it right now. Let's do it right now. And they're going to be like, this is going to get weird. <laughs> and you sit down with them and you just start. Your eyes are blue or brown or golden and start working through their body. And they're going to be so weirded out by this experience, but they're going to feel seen. And that's going to be super stretchy and uncomfortable for a moment. If you say, you are human, I am human. Look at this beauty that we contain in ourselves. And I bring this forward from a deep line of an, a, a genomic experiment that we call humanity. But it's not just genes that are expressing. It's spiritual wisdom. It's spiritual experience. There's an iteration of human journey that is not based just in the genetics. It is a spiritual iteration. So how did we get so disconnected from the land that's under our feet? We started by not seeing the very likeness in front of us and their relationship to that land. And so we became colonialists. We became extremely violent towards one another, not knowing our own beauty because we have capped it and suppressed it with our egoic journey. In our own devaluation, we loved our neighbors as ourselves and we killed them all. We saw our neighbors and saw them as a threat because ultimately when you look in the mirror, you see a visceral threat. There's something looking at back at you asking why the hell are you acting like you are, motherfucker? Why are you doing this? It's lame. 
Why? Don't you feel the life inside of you? Why are you thinking the things you're thinking? Why are you limiting yourself in the ways you're limiting yourself? Wake up and feel that liveness in yourself. That person looking in your mirror is the person you're most scared of. And unfortunately, when you look in any other human's face, you don't know or see that human because you're too broken for that. So all you see is another mirror and you see yourself in that person and you hate something about that person and you just you become divisive about something in them. Well, they got long hair. I got short hair. That's a problem. Well, they got skin color this way. I got skin color that, that. They're, I don't even understand that Will guy. If somebody could just throw some subtitles on that Will Harris, we could all finally understand what the heck he's saying. Because he talks different than I do. And it's beautiful. And I, want, I, I always want to fall asleep when I hear Will Harris because he's like, feel like I'm listening to a lullaby. But it's different than the way I speak. And our brain is so busy doing judgment and divisiveness that we are, don't see any of the beauty. We don't see any of it. And instead we go home and run through the list of people we couldn't stand that day that, that did us a disservice or didn't respect us or didn't see us. When in fact, it's the real freaking person in the mirror at night when you're brushing your teeth that's not looking at you and not seeing you. Whoa, that's the crisis we face right now. What does it mean to do regenerative anything? It means to be seen and to see. That's where it's going to begin. It's, it's the five points that Ray Archuleta was helping us out, and then he added the six, which is great, and you add some animals in. But way before the animals, you have to see where you are. That's tenet number one of Ray Archuleta's world. If you want to be regenerative, you've got to know the context. Do you know the context of why your heart is still beating? Do you know the context of why you still have a drive to be alive? Do you know the context in which you have suicidal thoughts right now? Do you know the context in which you feel isolated, lonely, and hopeless, and detached from your purpose? What is the context? The context is ultimately that you are alive as an iteration or a, a pixel of the imagination of life on earth. And that's who you are. You're an animated pixel of the imagination of the earth. And so love yourself back into yourself and you will think wise thoughts and you will tap into indigenous wisdoms that we have long traumatized and slaughtered into oblivion. You are all indigenous. When we come face to face with the traumas that we have played out on First Nations people, original peoples, on the Mexicans that we stole this land from too. As you come face to face with those human traumas, there's a lot of emotion that can stir up. But the way in which we can most rapidly diffuse the power of that opportunity to see what we've done and create reconciliation is to romanticize the whole damn thing. We can romanticize the original peoples. We can romanticize our own indigenous history. And I can tell you, it was always a shitstorm for as many times as we looked in mirrors and didn't see ourselves. There was no romantic time in human history. There is no romance that comes from our species. If you look at the relationship between the flowers and the bees, do you think that they feel any need to create a romantic experience? 
is anybody really you know, pre-thinking the date when the, when the bee decides it's gonna go and enter the flower? Is it primping before the entrance? Is it just trying to figure out, ooh, this is a pink flower. I wonder how I should show up for this flower. Hmm. I wonder if I go in with like, what's your job? Or you know, what keeps you busy? Or how do I start this date? No, the bee just shows up and be like, I'm bee, you flower, let's get it on. It knows itself so well, and it's not at all confused about the other things. If the Course in Miracles says something extraordinary in that incredible body of work that was channeled in the 1960s and 70s, there's an incredible line in there that gives me great hope for a different humanity. It says that when we are of split mind, which is how it refers to a mind that is split by the ego, and so when we are split, thinking we are separate from all other things, and the ego has to protect us because now we live in a state of scarcity and we're afraid of death. When you are of split mind and you look at another person, they will always function as a mirror and show you yourself. In the moment that you have a unified mind and you give up on the ego and you go into a horizontal love relationship with the divine state of the masculine and the feminine, it combines within you as an individual you will become so complete that when you look at the other person, you will see them. Scary, beautiful thought. Scary in that we probably aren't seeing each other right now because we're all of split mind. We're all working towards a regenerative mindset in the soil, but how far are we from a regenerative mindset about ourselves? How far are we from a, a mindset of regeneration when we think of our neighbor who is suffering from depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts because of their isolation? And we're just a cell phone call away. We're a knock on the door away. We're a, hey, I got an extra chair at the table tonight. We made up a big casserole. You want to come over for dinner? We're just one of those away from a reconnection in the journey of finding ourselves again. And I learned this beautifully from an indi a, a group out of uh, Icaria, Greece, which is one of the blue zones that are out there. And in Icaria, Greece, they, they live over 100 years routinely. And the, and the folks that had flown over, for the first time they'd left Greece, they got flown over to prepare a meal for this group of like 17 speakers. I don't even know how they got convinced to do this at all. But they left Icaria and they came to Northern Virginia, which is pretty much the black hole of nature. Like it's, it is where 85% of all internet traffic globally goes through Northern Virginia. It's where all the massive servers are. It's, it's, it's the, the realm of Darth Vader. And so they are flown from Icaria, Greece, where they run a 500-year multi-generational farm and vineyard. They have olive groves. They grow their own grapes and make their own wine. I mean, it's insane. They've been there for 500 years as a family on this one piece. And they get flown over here. And, and their task is to, to make a meal for 17 people. Well, they said, well, we're going to need about four days to make the meal. And this woman and her husband foraged in suburban America for four days in backyard gardens and landscapes to find the ingredients for the 17 course meal that we were about to experience. And the courses were often an onion, a baked onion. And she went off for 20 minutes before letting us taste the onion on how stupid our onions are in the grocery stores in the United States. She's like, they're this huge bulbous thing that has no flavor and they're just acid. They're terrible. Like, I, you guys all eat these things? She said, it took me a week 
to find enough baby onions, which is the right time to eat an onion, for you all to experience a real onion. And then I baked them with a song that I've been singing with my mother since I was a child. She's in her 70s, her mother's 99, still cooking and farming. I sing to the onion, the song that I learned from my mother, to prepare this meal for you. Of course, by the time we put this thing in our mouth, we are all in tears. It's the sweetest, most delicious, most like melt-in-your-mouth experience. It's not an onion. It's a, it's a thing. It's a divine state of culinary experience. It's an orgasm in your mouth. You're wondering if it's socially appropriate to have the experience in public that you're having right now. That onion changes lives because it was built with love and understood the context of what is an onion. We didn't try to scale the onion in Icaria, Greece. We listened to it until it was ready to blossom into the full neurologic stimulus for the human mind to be stimulated into something far out, cosmic in its capacity. I told you earlier that the bacteria in your gut are the fingers on the keyboard typing ideas into your head. I believe that is true. And I believe that all of the plants that are being crafted in their genius by the microbes of the soil, all of the biodiversity in the plant world that we see would not exist if not for the genomic swapping of the microbes in the soil that allow for the biodiversity and adaptation to occur in the macroflora or the fauna. And so the, the ideas in your head are crafted by the bacteria in your gut. But the stimulus, the intention for creativity, I think, is in the plant life, in the food that you are consuming, is the intention for creativity. The onion has an idea. And it's going to set into motion an energy towards creativity. And then it's going to tell the bacteria that are consuming it in your gut how to translate that into an idea in your head. And it's all for naught if you don't do what they do in Icaria, Greece. In Icaria, they, they all live past 100, told you that, blue zone, blah, blah, blah. At the end of this incredible meal, I get up and I do a toast to the chefs. I'm a, the clever doctor from Virginia. Get up, triple board certified, holy shit, gotta know his stuff. And I do this incredible toast, the microbiome and all of the intelligence of their ancestors and what they've baked into the food and how the microbes are bursting with light and we're like light beings. I mean, I was almost weeping because I was speaking so beautifully. It was just like ridiculous. And I get done and this, this old guy from Icaria stands up and he's like, well, thank you, doctor. That was completely wrong. That was the first time anybody's told me in public I'm completely wrong. Now I get a lot of pushback, but completely wrong was a pretty bold statement. I was like, wow, I was just shot down by this guy, 70-year-old dude from Icaria, Greece, with no formal education past eighth grade and knows way more than I do. So I was intimidated and I was super curious. He said, no, the reason why we live past 100 in Icaria has nothing to do with anything you were just saying. We simply just set an empty chair every night at the, at the dining room table, hoping somebody we don't know shows up to eat with us. That's why we all live past 100 years old, is we are curious about the people that are around us, and we want to meet somebody new so we can have a new thought and have a new conversation and tell stories that they've never heard and hear stories we've never heard. And so in Icaria, Greece, we never ask, what did you eat last night? We always ask, who did you eat with last night? To what end are you regeneratively farming? 
so that the soil is a little healthier when humans go extinct? It didn't need the kickstart. It's fine. Planet Earth's got it. She's got it. So what is the current state of the union? I'm a bush. I can't help it. What is the current state of the union? And I'm going to come back to Ray's point about body temperature. The Earth has a fever right now. She's done it many times. It kicks us into regenerative cycles on the planet every time she does it. It starts to cook the soils. And as soon as it cooks the soils, it starts to melt the permafrost. The amount of nutrients in that permafrost is what's going to supercharge the next life on Earth in a million years from now. But it's probably going to kill life that exists right now because we can't tolerate that much methane. The fever is there on purpose to get rid of the sickness that's on the planet right now, which is called humanity. The fever is very effective and it will continue. We can't stop the fever because we are the cause. Nature always resolves the fever when the sickness is gone. The sickness that we have become is literally a cancer. I told you this morning that we are connected by tens of millions of fiber optic cables that connect all of our cells together making you one uniform entity, one organism that we call Katie, that we call Charlie. One organism, 70 trillion cells, plus all the biome and the mitochondria and blah, 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 all held together with communication cables. The cancer cell that's going to kill that organism is the one cell that got completely isolated. All the cables got cut. And it was so injured, it could not repair because it had lost the communication of, and nutrient reservoir of the whole. And so as soon as it became alone, it became sick, scarce in resources, and started to die. And it didn't know anything else was alive around it. It thought it was the last semblance of life. And so the only thing that cell can do now is replicate because it can't repair. And it dies very quickly if it doesn't replicate. And so it starts in its last hope for life to replicate, not realizing it just became a cancer, not realizing it's about to kill the greater organism that it came from. The very first system of isolation that we did in the farming culture was the fence line. When we started building fences with the belief that we owned something was the beginning of the end. And the First Nations people that lived here watched that happen and told us it would happen. They said in spades, who are you Europeans that would come over here and think you can own the air, own the earth? That is a spiritual being. You can't own that thing. You come from that. That is your birth mother. You can't fence that off and say, this is mine. The moment we did, we became isolated and we became the cancer on the planet. In that isolation, we started to behave as cancer cells. Cancers can't make their own energy. They've lost all the machinery. The mitochondria are defective in a cancer cell. So they have to suck energy out of the environment around them. That's why somebody wasting away with stage four cancer loses all their body mass. They just literally get eaten by their own cancer. We can't make our own energy anymore because we forgot we're part of the whole system. And in our isolation, in our fence lines, both emotionally, spiritually, and physically, those fence lines put us into this cancer state of extracting the energy of the universe to hold on to this last semblance of life because we don't know there's other life out there. And so we're dying as a cancer cell. 
The cool thing that we get to see in our laboratory, though, is that when you add back the intelligence of the microbiome, we do extracts from fossil soils 60 million years old to get the highest number of carbon varieties of, of the humic and fulvic combinations that are in those fossil soils. And when you put those on human cancer cells, this is what happened to me in 2012. I remember I was designing chemotherapy, trying to poison cancer cells. Left the university in 2010, two years later, start studying soil, find a bunch of molecules in soil that looked like the chemotherapy I used to make. I was like, oh, what? There could be a medicine in the soil? Bonkers. So we started figuring out how can we extract that from fossil soils? How can we get a deep enough reservoir of enough variety of those carbon molecules to create an electric circuit board that's called a redox chemistry re experience? Redox chemistry is the way cells wirelessly communicate. And so here we are looking at MCF7 breast cancer cells under the microscope in 2012. We pour an aqueous liquid that's full of these carbon molecules that are charged with hydrogen so that they can carry electricity again. So you're looking at basically dirt water from fossil soil. There's no microbes in it left. All we have is the language of the microbes from 60 million years ago. And immediately, the cancer cells started to reconnect to one another, which has never been seen in a Petri dish. And as soon as they do that, they lose all the phenotypes of cancer and they turn into these plump big cells again and they start making energy. The state of affairs of, of the humans in my clinic, I mentioned we are losing the light energy. Our lights are going out when we do the auric field studies. But it's getting scary because you can now measure it by body temperature. And many of you have probably seen this because you've been forced to check your temperature so many times in the last two years for bizarre reasons. But in checking your temperature, how many of you guys have seen a temperature below 98.2 degrees? I think anybody who's checked their temperature has got to raise their hand. We are typically running now with core body temperatures that are a degree, or at least half a degree, but often a full degree or a degree and a half below normal body temperature. In my clinic, 98.2 degrees Fahrenheit is the normal body, body temperature. It's not unusual to see women coming in in their 20s and 30s with core body temperatures at 96.2 degrees. When you start to fall off the curve of body temperature, you literally are looking at the loss of thermogenesis, the loss of light energy within yourself. And so what is the soil system of young women walking into my clinic at 20 or 30 right now? They are looking like frozen soil at 14 degrees in North Dakota. You can't push the, therm the, the staff into the dirt anymore because it's frozen. They don't have enough thermal energy to even maintain core body temperature, which is the most regulated thing in human biology. The human body will, will literally lose limbs in an effort to try to maintain core body temperature. When you see the whole body over a generation or two becoming adapted to this low temperature state, we should be highly concerned highly concerned. What did we see in that soil at 14, minus 14? Minus 14 degrees out there in North Dakota, and he suddenly pushed that meter-long rod with ease down into the soil. How is that soil not frozen solid? It's because what I told you this morning is absolutely true, is that when you take solar energy and you store it in long carbon chains of, of carbohydrates or fatty acids and then you break it apart, you release the sun. What's happening in living soil is the release of sunshine under a foot of snow. That's what's happening. 
Ray just proved to you that sunshine is being released within the soils of the earth for its life. Does that give you goosebumps or what? That's sun shining out of the dirt. It's beautiful. So what is your state of soil in your body? Are you thawed? Or do you have permafrost forming? Can anybody poke through the outer layer of you right now? Are you so frozen for your fear of the world, for your fear of yourself, that you have permafrost going? When was the last time you actually allowed yourself to feel loved? Not from a human. We're, ter we're not good at it. We have all these preconceived notions. Thank you to some of my team, Farmers Footprint, for dragging me out to be loved today. Because we laid under that tree, looking up under those trees, up into a blue sky with clouds floating overhead, and I felt loved by an earth below me, by a sky above me, by a tree shading me, by the clouds racing over my head. And that's actually how I came out of major depression in 2010, was with a cloud speaking to me. It's the first time I'd ever gotten acupuncture. Very suspicious. I was a Western medicine chemotherapy guy, and I'm start setting up this nutrition center. And at this point, me and my son are like stripped down, shirts off, tool belts on, re re renovating this plumbing building in, Char in Scottsville, Virginia, into something to akin to a clinic. A town of 550 people in rural Virginia, fifth generation poverty everywhere, a bunch of farmers that already failed and are mostly on, you know, government payment of 800 to 1100 dollars a month to be failed farmers. So we're all out there and I'm working there. And this woman comes walking up and says, I've been told I'm supposed to work with you. And I was like, great, you do drywall, paint, what do you do? And she's like, no, I'm an acupuncturist. And I was like, I think that has to do with needles. And then she looked at me startled and she was like, I thought you were starting like a health center here. I'm like, I am. And she's like, you don't know what acupuncture is? Not really. Well, why don't I just treat you instead of try to explain it to you? And I was like, all right. So a couple weeks later, had a break in the construction schedule, and I, I went up and laid on this massage table. I'd never been on a massage table before. Doctor, triple board certified. I had never had a massage before. We are not taught self-love, self-care. I don't know my own beauty at this point. I just think I'm a machine of, of production. I'm a damn good John Deere tractor at this point in my life. I'm just like, I can churn it out hour after hour. I'm exhaustless. I can just, I would work 40-hour shifts the, at the hospital without sleeping. No problem. Because I knew my self-worth was based on my productivity. So I was the most productive, worth, worthful person on the planet. But I had never had a massage before. I didn't know what my own body felt like. And I was super depressed. And I was super isolated in a lab where I grew only cancer tissue for years. And it was me and the tumors, thousands and thousands of dead tumor tissue and me in a little office, month after month, year after year. I was dead. And this woman threw in five needles, a needle in each wrist, a needle over each foot. And she finally threw the last needle right at my belly button. I don't like needles. I don't particularly like being poked by anything. I'm showing a high degree of tolerance for this woman and her bizarre practices throws that last needle in there, and it was like the biggest shock I'd ever felt. I'd been shocked, I did construction, I've, been, I've had 240 volts go through my body, I almost died from electrocution before, this was worse. This was like somebody 
absolutely just had a car battery right on my belly button. Like, and I was like, whoa. Lasted for only a split second, but it was intense, and I screamed. She was startled. She was like, She'd never seen somebody 42 years old completely disconnected before getting reconnected. I was that bad off. I was the sickest patient she'd ever seen, I think. And that last needle reconnected the electrical grid in my body, maybe for the first time since I had been birthed. And I'm laying there and getting over the pain here, and I'm looking up through this skylight. And she has the wisdom to say, you know what, I think you just need some time. I'm going to give you some silent time here. I'm going to step out. As soon as she stepped out and gave me some quiet space, which, again, I had not taken in 42 years, quiet space with these five needles balancing my energy field for a split second, and I just started weeping. All my grief, all my depression. My, my escape plan had been to drive off a bridge at the end of a 30-hour shift at the, at the hospital I had picked out the bridge. I had a, a, a life insurance policy with a suicide clause in it so that my kids would still get paid if I committed suicide. I, I wasn't going to kill myself. I kept telling myself, I'm not, but I need the plan because I'm hopeless. She stuck that last needle in. I felt myself for the first time, maybe in my adult life, but certainly in the, in the decades that I could remember. And within a few minutes of the tears starting to slow down, I look up through this skylight, and it's blue sky. And this one tiny little cloud drifts across over the skylight. And I can suddenly experience all of that cloud, and that cloud experiences all of me. These five needles, which is called Chinese balancing in, in the acupuncture world, simply creates the opportunity for you to feel yourself. And I was not feeling myself. I was feeling the cloud with the recognition that myself was the cloud. The cloud was myself. And I went into this existential experience with this cloud, weeping and laughing. I could taste it. Tastes really good. Like there's, I wish I could explain what it tastes like. Maybe, maybe if you've tasted fruit off of a tree in the sun of Hawaii or something like that, where you're like so close to the solar experience already, and then you put that fruit in your mouth and it explodes with this coolness and this tranquil sense of everything you've ever wanted is right here on your tongue. That's what a cloud tastes like to me. Everything I had ever wanted from human relationships, from myself, from my job, from my sense of purpose, I could taste in that cloud. We are so close, everybody, to seeing the beauty in ourselves. So close to tasting the beauty in everything around us. I don't want anybody to walk out of here with a prescription in their head of how I need to go be a regenerative farmer. We are getting brush strokes from Ray and every, all your other speakers here. We're getting brush strokes of what it means to be human within a complex system of nature. It is not prescriptive, it is iterative, meaning you are going to do something and you're going to watch and listen and experience that shared creative opportunity. And then you're going to do something again, learned from that last experience. If you have a long lifetime partner or a family member that you can go sit down with, I would start with apologies. I am so sorry I keep looking at you as the same person that I married 30 years ago. I'm so sorry that I think of you as the first same person that I went out on a date with last week. 
You are a transformative being. You have changed with every iteration, with every breath you've taken, you've been updated genetically. You have been manifest into something greater because you're still alive from three days ago. I am sorry that I keep imprinting the past on you right now. Please forgive me. I love you because I can see your beauty and it is new. I know the beauty in you is new because you ate something different yesterday, but more importantly, you ate with somebody else yesterday. We are so nuclear in our expression of love, in our expression of family. It got out of control with that pandemic situation. We were so nuclear. Why do you think we called it the nuclear family in the 1960s? Because it was the most explosive thing we'd ever seen was nuclear bombs. The most explosive thing we've ever tried to create is a family of two parents and two kids. It's going to fucking explode, people. It's nuclear. It can't hold itself together. The protons literally have to reject one another. It has to blow apart because we tried to make a nuclear bomb out of family units. Stupid plan. What was the family just a few hundred years before that or a few decades before that? It was huge and it was not bloodlines. It wasn't, hey, I, my genetics are in you, so you're mine. It wasn't fence lines around the, the yard. It was people riding their bikes up and down. It was people riding their horses up and down the street and stopping and tying their horse up in the yard of their neighbor, talking, raising a barn. What you up to? That sounds like it sucks. That's awesome. Same thing happened to me last week. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. That feels good when you share the pain, when you just say, this is really brutal on me. That's, it, pain's gone. Now you're having a good time. We got to take down the fence lines. We're going to do it physically. We're going to do it spiritually. We're going to do it all these different ways. And we're going to get land bridges built for bison to start going from Alaska back to Mexico again. That's underway. Right now, it's called the Y to Y Trail. Look up Y to Y if you're not familiar with the project. Yukon to Yosemite. It's a good few thousand miles we've gotten so far with that land bridge. The bison are now moving freely. Wild bison from the Yukon up, up in northern Canada and up near Alaska there all the way down to their natural habitats along Yosemite and the national parks there. And it's the, it's the Native American Congress that has brought the opportunity to the US government to say this can be done. We remember through our ancestral stories that this was happening. The bison were moving from the Yukon to Mexico and we've looked over all of your US maps and we can show you that there is a land bridge owned entirely by your nation, quote unquote, that runs from the, from the Canadian border down to Mexico and it's called National Forest. And so you can actually rebuild the land bridge without taking anybody's land away from them. But you're going to have to think more broadly about your own national forest. Is it yours? Is it yours? Or is it the bison's? Rome Ranch needs to be a connection back to the wisdom of the bison because our future depends on a land bridge from the Yukon down to Mexico. I don't know Rome Ranch well enough yet to know the practices, and you guys are young enough that it may not be possible yet. But I am excited to see a Rome Ranch in 30, 50, 100 years when we have bison that are 17 generations in 
And we allowed elders to grow up within that colony to pass on the generational information to their youth. We need to stop looking at beef or sheep as protein synthesizers. This is not a protein industry. These are sentient beings with deeper wisdom of the land they walk on than we have because they've been here for a million and a half years longer. The collective memory of bison and the ways in which water moves is much more intense than our current scientific Harvard level thoughts on hydraulic cycles. This land had a dry creek bed, I am told, when it was purchased a couple years ago. And the people that you bought it from said, that'll never flow. It may be seasonally when there's a big storm. The bison came in and the water came back. That stream bed is full of water year round, I'm told now. Damn, you guys, what did you do? You didn't do a damn thing. Thank you for not doing anything for a moment. And you let the bison sing the song of the water back onto this land. What do you think the bison sound is for? Is it just so they can chat among each other? No, they're talking to the clouds. They're talking to the birds. They're talking to the, to the coyote. They're talking to the wolves. They know what it feels like to give up their body to a wolf pack. They know what it feels like to give up their body to another species that has reverence for their spot within the nature we live. When we begin to understand animals, not as regenerative tools, but as regenerative beings that predated us and have allowed us to step into their reality, go stand by those bison and think about the possibility that they've allowed us to be here. They're bigger than us, if you haven't noticed. They will kick your ass. And you did not have guns way back when. They allowed us to be here. And they did not take over the prairies. They were abundant to extraordinary numbers, but they never became a monoculture. They understood the cycle of life. They understood the balance of the homeostasis of biodiversity. And the bison lived in unity with all of nature. And they sung the song. The river came back for the bison. I guarantee you it did not come back for the humans. The river comes back for the nature that respects it and understands it. If we're going to become regenerative, we will take down the fences of our minds, our fences of our spirit. We will see the beauty within every living creature, within every living history of mankind before us that we have traumatized and abused and extracted from. You might feel abused and isolated and extracted from as a farmer right now, and you would be very accurate because the consumer world is sucking the life out of you right now, asking for more, cheaper, asking for more, cheaper, asking for more, cheaper. You are being extracted from, and you cannot be seen, partly because you can't see your own beauty. So start taking off the veil, start stripping off the layers, show people your beauty. And you get to see this at farmer's markets. There's a lot of farmer's markets that are run by people that are not the passionate farmers, and they don't sell much. The, the, the booth that has a whole line waiting to buy the beets is the farmer that's freaking out about his beets. It's like, these things are freaking gold. They're amazing. Wait, you got to taste this. I'm going to cut this slice. Now put that in. Close your eyes, damn it. Focus on the neural experience as I put this in your mouth. That level of passion 
that's what it, that's your beauty. If you don't have that level of passion for your land and the people that you are working with, you have not seen yourself yet, let alone those that are around you yet. If we're going to become truly regenerative and tear down the mindset that is the number one step in Ray Archuleta's code here, if we're going to change the mindset, we're going to have to accept you as the most beautiful being on the planet because you are a fractal of all of us. You are the total in the one. We are all one. The clouds are speaking to us. We can speak to the clouds. We don't need to dumb ourselves down here. We don't need to see ourselves as inferior to this intelligence of nature out there. It's asking us to be its partner. It's asking for the hug. And so that's the opportunity that we have. We're gonna keep chasing it tomorrow. I want you guys to dwell on everything you've thought about tonight in your dreams. The only difference between dreams and reality is there is no doubt in your dreams. There is no doubt in your dreams. The reality you are living in is full of doubt because it is not real. The only thing you do that is real is you dream. So let's dream a dream together. And if anybody asks you, what did you eat yesterday? Instead of saying braised butt tips or whatever we ate today, I would like you to say, I don't remember exactly what I ate, but let me tell you who I ate with. I ate with a bunch of beautiful souls that are all becoming aligned over one mission, to become one, to become one thing called life on earth. And we are going to vibrate this planet until she's shaken in her boots. We're going to vibrate this planet until she lives a new life, until she expresses a new vibrance. We are going to live together. I am so grateful to be part of your community. I'm grateful to be breaking bread with you this week. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning. Tonight, the venue for the thing, should we, is somebody coming up to remind everybody where they're going this evening? Somebody's covering that. Tomorrow night, my, my team wanted you to know, uh, Farmer's Footprint team, just stand up, just because uh, a lot of you want information from me. There's a bigger team that can deliver you that information. Farmer's Footprint team is back there. And so look at those faces. These are the people that do all the work to make all of this real. I'm just their spokesperson. And so that Farmer's Footprint group right there um, really wants to engage with all of you. Uh, we've made a lifestyle out of Nicole's lead for us to become storytellers for the regenerative movement. And we do it to the best of our ability, but it's really you guys that create the story. And uh, one of our favorite quotes that our executive director, David Leon, always reminds us of is, humans are not made of molecules, humans are made of stories. And I really like that quote. And so you are the story that will change the course of the world. You are the story that will spark the future that we all want for our children. And so give, get engaged with the Farmer's Footprint team. We're going to be out tomorrow night after the event, I think around 6-ish or 6.30, whatever it is. After the event, we'll be going over to a, group, a spot called Munch Food Park. I think it is Munch Park. Um, it's about eight miles from here, if my Google Maps is right. And so hanging out there after the event tomorrow night so that the conversations can continue. Many of you have come up to me to tell me your stories of the regen projects you are doing. I love those, but my mind is like a sieve. I'm trying to, trying to invent a product to reverse that leaky brain of mine. But right now, it would be much more suited to tell our Farmer's Footprint team about your story because they're, they are engaged on the daily process of turning that into narrative for the planet. Your stories will change the world. They will light us all up. They'll put us in line with each other. So 
please engage, continue to engage the farmers food team, engage one another because there's a beautiful soul sitting right next to you right now that you might not know fully. The, the more time you've spent with that person, the less likely you can see their beauty. It's a sad reality as we become conditioned to those things around us and we forget to look deeper than our beliefs. Look beyond the beliefs of who you're sitting with and see who you're sitting with because they're new from the last time you took a look. And so I am happy to be making you new with my voice, with my genetics as I spew it out on you for a couple hours all day long. I hope I have made you feel hope of where we are heading. I wanna highlight the children in the room that have just come in. Wave to everybody, you're the heroes. You're why we're all here. This is our future. Go dude. These, doing the four minute workout and you watch a kid do it, you realize how much energy they have. It's like they're on squat 420 and you're on 10 and you're just like, oh my gosh. These are the energetic beings that are showing us our full potential. So engage the kids around us, engage each other, enjoy the evening. Thank you all, love you very much. Wow, my mind is blown and I already wanna to listen to this episode again. So just might as well just put it on a repeat, see how many times I can listen to it in one day. So much deep wisdom from Zach, as well as such a refreshing perspective on the future of humanity. Now, go out there and give someone a bear hug. Commit to less Zoom calls and more connecting in person. Invite someone over for dinner and share stories of your human experience. But before you do any of that, take a good look at that beautiful face of yours in the mirror. You are the product of 250,000 years of ancestral wisdom, birthed from Mother Earth, and loved deeply. Big thanks to Dr. Zach Bush for making it all the way down to Texas to break bread with our community. And big thanks to Force of Nature for supporting and putting on that amazing conference. If you want to connect with Zach, check out ZachBushMD.com and learn more about his many different projects, which includes my personal favorite, Farmer's Footprint. If you'd like to be a part of our community, we invite you to join us at this year's annual What Good Shall I Do conference. This is such a beautiful co-creative experience that's shared with a brilliant community of like-minded people that are committed to reimagining a better future for all of us to share. This conference is coming up quickly. It's taking place April 21st through April 22nd in Fredericksburg, Texas. We only have like 10 tickets left for sale. It will sell out. So be a part of it. Head over to forceofnature.com and register for the conference. I hope to see you there. And in what is becoming my favorite tradition, I'm going to read an actual factual review from our Apple podcast platform. This one is titled truth about chicken and it's from a man named richard tufton i know this guy rich he is an english man all the way across the pond so i'm gonna do my best english accent i've been in the beef industry for over two decades but i'm native when it comes to chicken this truth about chicken episode taught me so much and i want to thank you all for that you do Full disclosure, we are friends, but keep up the great work. Wink. The content on this feed is top-notch, and I wish everyone would listen, if only to be able to make more informed choices when choosing what to eat 
and to feed their family. Cheers, Richard. Now the verdict is out. If I actually sound at all like a British man, I feel like I might sound more like Forrest Gump. If you want to have your actual factual review of this podcast, Where Hope Grows, read by me, Taylor Collins, there's a very high probability that that will happen if you leave a review. Um, I, I only get like two or three reviews a month, so your chances are pretty freaking good. And if you tell me what nationality or what accent you have, I will do my best to sound like you. That is all for today. I'm going to leave you with a reminder of a really powerful quote that came up in that episode. And that is, remember, the only difference between a dream and reality is that you never doubt yourself in a dream. Sweet dreams. <laughs>